Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. There are three sides to a triangle. Welcome to the Fact Off. Welcome to the Fact Off, your weekly battle of facts, y'all. Alex is the host, not a slack off. Mike's got the facts that'll smack, y'all. But don't worry, cuz Pat's got your back, y'all. It's the Fact Off. It's the Fact Off. Yeah, it's the Fact Off. Welcome to the Fact Off, the weekly podcast where we each bring you a random and obscure fact, and you, the listener, can decide the winner. I'm your host, Alex, and as with me as always is Mike. Hey, what's up, Alex? And as with me as always is Pat. Hey, everybody, it's me, Pat. How's it going? Well, Pat sounds a lot worse than that because he's sick right now, so he's yeah. not with us. Yeah, it's just me and Mike today. That was me doing my impression of Pat. I know... It, it sounded a lot of people. just like him, too. I know. I've been working on it for 34 years, so got it down pretty good. And since he's not here, we can talk crap about him. Yeah, you see that shirt Can't he was wearing himself. today? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so it's just me and Mike today. You know, so it should be a short one for you. Uh, also, Pat's not on because I don't think he got any votes from last week's episode. I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up. He didn't get any votes, and uh, I tallied them twice. Yeah, yeah. You do the Santa Claus thing. For one, you mark the list, uh, the votes as naughty or nice, and then you check it again to see who got each one. It's a lot of work. I should get paid yeah. for this, but who did win? I'm, I'm the winner, man. I, I won. Oh wow! Yeah, Congratulations. yeah. Congratulations! Yeah, I'm excited. You have your victory fact. I actually didn't think I would win because I thought you did such a good job last yeah, week. Yeah, you actually texted me and said it was my best fact ever. Yeah, I mean, it was... I don't know if it was the best fact as far as, like, fact goes, but it was the best delivery. Yeah. My wife voted for your fact. Ho, 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 ho. Uh, take that. I think, I think it's because she's just from Cincinnati. No and way. it's my birthday. That's true. It was your birthday. Yeah, so you had to vote. You couldn't. So that's true. I'm gonna deliver my victory fact because everybody who wins gets to share a fact. And uh, my victory fact is this, Alex: flushing cat poop down the toilet kills sea otters because it gives them toxoplasmosis. Really? Yeah. So don't don't stop flushing cat poop down down the do toilet. Do people do it normally? Uh, and st- when they're uh, scooping the poop out of their, uh, the ca- you know, the litter boxes, maybe some people just put it right in the tr- in the uh, toilet. I don't know. That's true. I can see that. Or the cats that use the potty. Yeah. Is- Toxoplasmosis, if any anybody doesn't re- remember what it is, it's uh, something that gets into people's brains and makes them go crazy as well. Ooh, like listening to Fact Off. So that's when you hear the word crazy cat lady, usually that lady has toxoplasmosis. Um, really? Is yeah. that why they're crazy? That's why they're crazy. Yeah. But you know what it's time for, Mike? No. What What time is it? Pat's fact, 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 spectacular. Pat, wait, 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 fact, wait, 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 wait. No. Pat's not here. But I did have Pat text me his spectacular calendar. I think you I think you missed my uh thing. I actually prepared I, Mike's fast facts. Yeah, I did see that too, but I did have Pat. I mean, look, send me his facts for the week. 
No, he can't. Before he hand. can't do Pat's facts without we ha- Pat's. We have to go by the calendar. But I prepared Mike's fast facts. All right, why don't you do three, and I'll do the two of Pat's. I think are the best. All right, we'll ha- we'll have people vote. Who did it better, Pat's fun facts or Mike's fast facts? So, mine first one is wild rodents will run on mouse wheels if you just put them outside, like in like the wild. Yeah, because there'd be like a playground for them. Yeah, they yeah they put cameras up and the the mice were wild mice would just hop right on and and go for it. Yeah, who doesn't love a giant wheel? They put like a human sized one out. I would do it. Nah, I don't like to run. I would think about doing it. You would think, but you would not get on it. My first Pat's fast fact, this one I didn't know if you would know or not. Pilots and their co-pilots are required to eat different meals before flights so they don't both end up with food poisoning. I I don't know if that's actually a fact. I think think you could probably just eat, eat dinner at the same restaurant. And I think even pilots get food catered to them on the airplane from the same place. Like my dad, when he gets on the airplane, he get, they usually give him Jason's Deli. Both the pilot and the co-pilot get Jason's Deli. So if they're poisoned, Jason's Deli killed them and they, they're they going to die. But is it the same meal from Jason's Deli? Well, how often are you eating the same exact meal? Like you can't split a meal? Like, hey, we order a meal. Uh, would you like to go have these and split it? Like what does it mean by same meal? Because they're both getting turkey sandwiches or they're both getting chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, they're both getting turkey sandwiches with a side of Lay's potato chips and a chocolate chip cookie and a Diet Coke. Yeah. That's the same meal. Yeah, they both got the same meal. But what if one of them got an Italian sandwich instead? Well, they get whatever they give them on the airplane. They just... It's in a box when they get on. I like the idea that my pilots are eating different food. Well, uh, I don't know where that fact came from, but I could say from experience that it's false. Eh, get your dad on the pod. Call him up. I, I can't. He's in the air, probably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. My next fun fact, or no, no, fast fact. An acre is based off the idea that it's the exact amount of land a man can plow in a day. So, like, my acre would be, like, two by two? No, I, I think they just took a genera- generalized acre. Like, okay, this is generally how much a man can plow in a day. Okay. Good thing it wasn't based off me. They probably just took the average man. If it was based off you, like, it would probably be the size of, like, maybe... Yeah, two by two feet. <laughs> two by two feet, yes. Well, like, isn't most of our measurements, like, l- roughly based, like, the inches roughly based off their knuckle to the end of your thumb yeah i think i've heard that but i don't know how the validity yeah. of it you know what was it and then like your the foot is the elbow to your top of your fingers i mean i think it's not like an exact one but i think it's supposed to be close okay unless you're one of those people that have like the seven foot eight wings wingspan i don't think they're using you to measure stuff <laughs> yeah um, 
less than 5% of the oceans have been explored by humans. Yeah, I've, I've heard that one. That's, uh, that, that makes sense because the ocean's huge and it's pretty deep and it's probably mostly boring. Uh, oh, I think there's a lot of creepy things that go on down in the ocean. Well, speaking of the ocean, Alex, the Wardy's comb jellyfish has a disappearing anus that only forms when it has to go. Uh, isn't that the dream? A disappearing butthole? Yeah, and it comes back when you have to go. Yeah, that'd be nice. That would be nice. And that was found in the ocean. You think about all the other cool animals down in the ocean. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about accidentally tripping over something and, and something going up your butt and then going to the hospital and then having to think, did you do this on purpose or was this an accident? That's always been your biggest fear. <laughs> a lot a of people don't know yeah. Mike, nine times out of ten, is walking around with a butt plate just in case that happens. Yeah, I, I do uh, have a round plate over my butt. It, some people think I have a, a misshapen ass, but no, it's it's a plate in my in my yeah. pants. Which sucks for the rest of the world because people want to stare at that great ass you have, Mike. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, I'll do one more fact for Pat's fun fact, factacular. Monaco's orchestra is bigger than its army. I don't know what that means. I don't know uh, where Monaco Monaco's a country. Yeah, I, I put that together. Uh, is, it still a, is. is it still a current uh, country? Oh, yeah, why not? Everything. Once a country, always a country. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's always been my motto. Yeah, all right. And uh, I'll do my last fast fact. In 1950, airlines didn't serve alcohol when flying over dry states. Really? That's interesting. So, like, would they stop? Like, oh, we're going over Kentucky, everybody. Stop. I don't know if you think, like, how fast airplanes go. They don't go that fast where they're constantly flying over a new state every five minutes. I like to think so. Well, if you're, like, in Rhode Island and, uh, like, there's smaller states up up north, and you could probably fly over a couple states in 20 minutes. That's true. Um, yeah, but like I like to think they were panicking. No, I need another. Need <laughs> Put another the alcohol drink. away, no, quick, 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 quick. We're about to cross the line. Was there like a police officer on the plane ready to arrest the uh, the stewardess if um, what they have she the didn't put marshals? the alcohol away? I assume air marshals on every flight. Yeah, I, I don't know how old the idea of an air marshal is because back in the well, day, airplanes used to get like hijacked like all the time. The first airplane was. Invented in 1701. Already false. And the air marshal came around in 96. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so there you have it. You have Pat's Fun Factacular presented by Alex with Monaco's orchestra. Pilots not eating with the other pilot is eating. And the ocean's being explored. And then what's Mike? What are your recap your facts? I'm not recapping them. Uh, they're Mike's fast facts, so that would be completely against the rules to recap a fast fact. Uh, so Mike will put a Twitter poll out there that you can decide who did better, me or Mike. Vote me because Pat is very sick. And it'll he needs keep. This. It'll, it'll give him joy. 
It'll help yeah, him. Give him hope. Give him hope. Uh, since you won last week, Mike, you can decide the order we go. Alex, I think you should you should go first. You, you did such a good job last week. You were robbed. So I, I think you deserve to, to go. Okay. So, as you know, Mike, this is something me and you disagree on. I made brownies the other day. And I did not make them from scratch. I made them from a box. And you're all about, oh, everything has to be made from scratch. I, brownies in a box are fine. Uh, is this cake? Yeah. And cookies? Uh, I, I think my biggest qualm with a uh, boxed cake is typically people also half-ass it with the frosting and put, like, the frosting you buy on the grocery store shelf, pop the top on it, and it tastes disgusting. Yeah, so people should be making their own frosting. Yeah, that's the easiest thing to do, and it tastes a hundred times better. And you also don't like to eat any cake that doesn't have, like, congratulations or happy birthday written on the top. Yeah, if it's not a message encouraging me, then what's what's the point? That's true. So that got me to thinking about who was Betty Crocker. You've heard of her. I've heard of her. Everyone's heard of Betty Crocker. So who was she? And why do we use her cake mix every time we want to bake a cake? I don't know. I'm, I feel bet Pat's going to be super disappointed because he keeps asking me about Betty Crocker like, all every the day. time. He's going to miss and out on this. Yep. So we travel back in time to the year 1921. Watsburg and Crosby Company decided to put out a jigsaw puzzle. And if you... Got the, you put the jigsaw puzzle back together, you send it back to him, you got a push pin uh, replica of the golden metal flower. How that's do you they, ship a, a a puzzle that's put back together to... It was, like a, I, it was in like the paper, you would cut it up and then glue it back together. Oh, so it was glued, so it's like you could put yeah. it in the envelope. Yep. Uh, Washburn Crosby Company, four years later, would become General Mills. So they got like 300,000, not sorry, 30,000 completed puzzles back in the mail for these little pushpin gold metal flower bags. And a lot of them came with questions. Why isn't my, why is my crust cracking? Why isn't my uh, cake rising? All these questions about cooking. So the marketing marketing staff at the time, like, I I don't know, we don't know. So they went to see like the Tetch Kitchen. They would talk to the women in the office, like, "Hey, can you help provide advice for these people who are writing into us?" And so they did. And the head of the marketing department at the time, Samuel Gall, he's like, "Well, when we wrote back to these people, we didn't want to sign a guy's name." Oh, so they just signed as Betty Crocker. Yep. So they oh, that's decided. Cool. So well, how did hey, they hey, get? I the I can only guess why everybody's stuff was screwed up, though. And it's because what? baking is a very precise like thing, and uh, if you screw the ingredients up just a little bit, it'll throw off the whole, the whole process. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's true. Oh but yeah, you're... it's true. <laughs> um, so, how did, so yeah, they came up with the fictitious person, Betty Crocker, and they. So how did they come up with the name? Well, Crocker was a recently re- retired director, William Crocker. People like him. 
So they chose the name Crocker, and they chose the name Betty because they sounded friendly and cheerful, and they seemed like a generally nice person. Named Betty Crocker. But is how there a did picture they... of Betty Crocker, or is it just like a, a spoon? A... So the the symbol now is a spoon. Okay. And it has the famous Betty Crocker signature. So how did they get the signature? They ran around the office and asked all the women the what they think Betty Crocker's signature would look like. <laughs> And Secretary Florence Lindenberg signed it, and it's still used today. Oh, so the pseudonym is uh, Florence. Wait, Betty Crocker's the pseudonym of Florence Lindenberg? No, no, they came up with the name, and they were I looking know. for somebody to sign it. Um, but I guess that doesn't explain how Betty Crocker got so big. So in 1924, uh, they decided to launch a radio show. Betty Crocker's school, uh, cooking school of the era. A radio cooking school was hosted and written by Ma- Marjorie Child Hustet. Wait, so as, they didn't have somebody on there pretending they were Betty no, Crocker? No, she was pretending to be Betty Crocker. Oh, she was. Okay. Yep, I was going to say, she, I'm like, so <laughs> this is pretty funny. So the letters they wrote back to people was just random people writing the letters. And yeah. then the people hosting the the radio show was just a person pretending to be Betty Crocker. So it's been so many different people. Yeah. So she, the first year was us in Minnesota. They had, they, you would like, I got sent in like your reports and stuff like that. And they had 238 graduates between the ages of 60 and 82. And the show was so successful that they went national. And then it was on for 24 years over the radio, this Betty Crocker cooking school show. Mm. And then in 1951, was the first appearance of Betty Crocker on TV, played by Adeline Hurley. Hurley. Also, they they made a TV show. Yes, you would make TV appearances and stuff. And And nobody asked questions like, hey, this right here. Did the general public know that she wasn't actually named Betty Crocker? No, they had different, like, portraits of Betty Crocker. Like, they would, like, in ads and stuff like that and this. Like like a white woman to me. But, <laughs> all, um, all white ladies look the yeah. same. So she was, and she was Betty Crocker up until 1964. So like they just had this character Betty Crocker that would give people advice, teach people how to cook. The part of the radio show was the the host of it. Um, she was like, women want to be able to like to learn how to cook from somebody who seems like they know what they're doing. And can provide, like, so she would write and, like, put the show together so women would learn how to cook and seem, like, sit, like. And now we have TikTok. Yeah, that's true. So, what was the first Betty Crocker uh, grocery store item you asked, Mike? What do you think it was? A uh, cake mix. Nope, soup mix in 1941. Soup mix? <laughs> soup mix? Yep. Uh, the cake mix didn't hit the shelves until 1947. Wow. Okay. You know how popular Betty Crocker was? Uh, very. In 1945, Fortune magazine said she was the second best known woman in America behind Eleanor Roosevelt, who was the first lady. <laughs> and it wasn't and even gave, a real person. <laughs> <laughs> gave her the name the first lady of food. Uh, where did Duncan Hines ranked? <laughs> I, heard, um, I heard he transitioned. 
And then um, one last thing, the Betty Crocker Picture Cookbook, one of the most popular cookbooks you can still get today, came out in 1950. And so they put the cookbook together, and there was a lot of, like, recipes from, like, the Tetch Kitchen and stuff like that. And when you open the book, it was, like, a handwritten note by Betty Crocker. And if you read it... The real Betty Crocker. (laughs) It's... It's not written that these are her recipes. They're like submissions or old recipes that she that they have found and put together. But it was never like Betty Crocker made these. Have uh, a Betty Crocker writer or actor ever come out and say, "I want the real like <laughs> appreciation, <laughs> not this uh, fictional character." Yeah, it seemed like there was like a whole whole combination of people working to make this perfect fictitious nice cook that everybody wanted to learn how to cook from one thing that was interesting i found out like doing like the uh war when they would do like you put a ration your food uh-huh they they did like a small radio show all nation rations that uh, teach you how to cook with their food you were rationing okay uh, yep but that's some facts on betty crocker this person we all know who is never real <laughs> What's your uh, f- name of your fact, Alex? The first lady of cooking. The first lady of cooking. She was almost as famous as the first right. lady as <laughs> yeah. well. So that makes a lot of sense. What's your fact, Mike? All right. I'll jump right in. Have you heard of the Philosopher's Stone, Alex? Yeah, the Harry Potter. No, it's not the Harry Potter. Actually, the Harry Potter book. In Europe, it's called Philosopher's Stone. In America, yeah. it's called the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, yep. Side fact. Which people like, oh, Amer- uh, Americans wouldn't put out with Philosopher. Sorcerer sounds a lot cooler than Philosopher. Well, you general. say that, but wait until you hear what I'm talking about. Okay. So throughout the whole entire Middle Ages to like about 17th century, the Philosopher's Stone was something that alchemists all sought after. And if you don't know at home, alchemists were like the precursor to like chemists. They were just like crackpot people for their time. They just did a bunch of strange experiments in in their basement, um, usually. (laughs) Yeah, but they were just like, yeah, chemics. Chemics, Chemists, yeah, of the time. Uh, They just, you know, were smart dudes that just like to mess around. Um, But the, this, this uh, Philosopher's Stone was so sought after because it was thought to turn ordinary metals like iron and lead and tin into gold. What? Why didn't these people just get the Midas touch? Well, you, I mean, you got to trust the Midas touch. But no, yeah. that's that's just another fable. But this was actually something that many great minds thought was a real thing you could like find. Um, and it was also, if that doesn't already sound impossible, to turn crap into gold uh it was also seen as a elixir of life so it could cure disease and uh restore your youth and all that so it was like this magical substance that uh alchemists were always trying to find and obviously if you found it you'd be known around the world as like the you know the brightest mind you know on earth because you could turn anything into gold, essentially. Wait, would you be the brightest mind, or would you just be the richest man who could live forever? <laughs> You'd be the richest man, essentially. 
I heard about this one guy who was able to turn water into wine. And he didn't go into a wine business. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that was his name. <laughs> that was his name. Hey, Zeus. Um, but I want to talk about one scientist, or not scientist, alchemist in particular. Because uh, Sir Isaac Newton was one of the, the guys that really sought after this, and Harry Potter was another one. Yep. Well, the, the stone is already made by Thomas Fomell. Is that the character's name? I, I, the Flotzer Stone was more of an idea. It wasn't actually a stone. It was just like this formula that they were looking for. So I, well, I'm gonna, in Harry Potter, it is okay. Yeah. But that's a fictional fictional story, and this is a fact. <laughs> the Flotzer Stone obviously is not a real concept, even though even to this day, people are trying to figure out ways to turn common material into gold and i think it there there have been people who have accomplished it but it takes a lot a lot of energy to do uh so it's possible but not in the way that these guys thought back then uh so let's focus in on hennig brand he was an alchemist from hamburg germany and in 1969 he made a huge discovery spoiler alert he didn't discover uh, the Philosopher's Stone, because that's not a real thing. So he was obsessed uh, to like the point of madness uh, in like trying to find this uh, formula. And uh, he used like, both his wives' fortunes to like help fund his laboratory experiments. Um, I say both wives because his first wife uh, died and then he got remarried. And uh, both times he married really rich ladies. Uh, to help fund he was, a, he was a smart man. He was. Yeah, he was a smart man. He wanted to fund his stuff. Um, and he had his laboratory in the basement of his second wife's home. And his lab partner was his uh, stepson. Uh, so his stepson must have thought he was uh, quite the crackpot. So, well, if he was working with him, maybe he didn't. Well, you'll see. So generally in the basement, it's a place for like uh, men to embarrass, to hide their embarrassing hobbies like collecting Star Wars toys or uh, sex dolls. Yeah, or podcasting. (laughs) Exactly. We're both in the basement. Spoiler alert. Uh, (laughs) Is that a spoiler alert? (laughs) It's like a big reveal at the end of a podcast run that people where we record it. (laughs) Some people could think we're like in an office or like a. A recording studio or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, 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 but Hennig, Hennig uses basement for something else entirely. Uh, he didn't use it for Star Wars toys because that didn't exist back then. Uh, I wonder if he made it like another one. You said this was 1969? No, six, 16. 69. Oh, 1669. Did I say 1969? For some, you might have just said 69, and I thought 69. I, it, it's next to each other, so I kept like reading over, and I kept thinking 1969 as well. So I might have, I might have said 1969. I don't, no, I don't know. You, but only if you wait another 308 years, you could have saw Star Wars. Yeah. So Hennig's secret sauce to find the Philosopher's Stone was the Big Mac sauce. Urine. 
Ooh. So why did he think urine would be the uh, solution? Well, there's two reasons. Urine is the color of gold, and urine comes from the human body, which is, uh, as alchemists believe, is the work of perfection. And they're not wrong on that one. Yeah, there's nothing more perfect than the human body. Yeah. So he uh, began to collect buckets upon buckets of human urine in the basement. And (laughs) that's why I said his stepson must have thought he was crazy. And maybe some of that urine was his stepson's urine. I I don't know. It didn't specify. Yeah, I think like one bucket of urine in your basement. Odd. Uh, but yeah. fifteen hundred gallons worth of buckets of urine is how odd is that? That's uh, pretty odd. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, it's pretty odd. Um. So yeah, he collected buckets of urine, and this is an excerpt from an account uh, of this. Uh, he took a. Good large quantity of new-made urine of beer drinkers and evaporated it gently to the consistency of honey. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of disgusting, but it actually gets a little bit more disgusting than that because uh, he would allow the urine to ferment in the basement until it like started growing worms and stuff like that. And, yeah. then, and then he would take that urine... And boil it down, uh, like over a fire. <laughs> so it it was like he was cooking urine in the basement. It had to stink like to high heavens. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he his rich wife was like also didn't have a sense of smell. Yeah. How do you get two women to marry her? <laughs> he must have, he must have uh, been a, a very intelligent guy, a good talker. Um. So he boiled it down and boiled it down until he got a white waxy substance at the at the bottom and that white waxy substance glowed in the dark. Oh. And I'll give you a hint what he discovered the element ironically starts with the letter P. Potassium? No, he discovered phosphorus. Really? Yeah. So he was the first first uh, person to discover phosphorus. There's some uh, tales of like it being discovered before him, but it's like not been corroborated. This is the first one that's like actually historically proven. Um, and he didn't really know. He was just like kind of excited about this glowing uh, stuff. <laughs> he discovered he didn't really know what to use it for. So obviously, he just is like the person who discovered it, but I don't think much was done with it until later in time. But now it's used mostly for like fertilizing, like miracle grow phosphorus. Okay. Yeah. So we wouldn't have, uh, the, the quantities of farming that we have now without uh, phosphorus being used as like a, um, fertilizer. And you laughed at this guy's urine collection. Yeah, uh, smart. What's up with smart people collecting urine? Uh, didn't Howard Hughes have like a gigantic collection of urine? And well, I just think because he didn't want to leave his room. That was more of not using it for anything. He was just going. Ma- he was just going mad. Yeah, essentially. Okay, but he did get his plane to fly. He did. So, my fact is called 
P, the letter P. P, the letter P. Yeah, or PP. So there you have it. Our facts for today are the first lady cook. Well, P, the little P, and I assume past fact would have been like cargo moo or something like that. <laughs> cargo moo. Okay. <laughs> so vote for which one you think is the best. Uh, you can uh, vote on the show in the show notes. There will be a little link to vote, or you can always go to factoffpodcast.com. Uh, check us out on all the socials. We will be posting a poll of who did the facts better, Mike or Alex presents Pat's Fast Factacular. Uh, like, give me viewers on Apple and Spotify, and have a great day. <laughs>